0: It's about 9.06 at WPTF Radio. It's Tuesday night it's December 15th. We're halfway through the month and uh, we're 10 days away from Christmas. Boy, it is coming fast. But we are having some good December programming, some kind of end-of-the-year assessments and something, uh, things like that on the Tom Carney Show, which, by the way, is here every night, Monday through Friday from 9 until 10 with a little bit of live and real-time radio. And... Uh, uh, about once a month, over the last 15 years, uh, Dr. Edward Funkhauser, who was a professor of communications and now is emeritus at North Carolina State University, would come and uh, would come and talk to us about what we call a necrology, a list of those people who have died and need to be remembered. And Ed, if you're listening out there, you need to write down the name of John LeCarrie because you know he died.
1: He did. Uh, I have that, Tom. Can you hear me Okay.
0: Yeah, I can hear you okay. That was my way of sneaking you in here. But uh, okay. the, the best, well, not the best part, but one of the good parts of having Ed on is that he and I would ride to the radio station together because we live about two blocks from each other. And we would have talks, and one of the things that I always enjoyed very much uh, is the books that Ed is reading. And despite the fact that he has uh, retired as a senior professor. He's still out there learning and doing something that I always admire in people, and that, that is people who read. And so he would make recommendations to me, and that's how I have found out the titles of a good many of the books that I've enjoyed reading over the years. And uh, well, anyway, we've invited him tonight to talk about the books that he's read uh, sort of in the last year. And no, I don't think he's read all of them in the last year, but maybe he has. I don't think that, that fine line is really that important. But some books that he would recommend, as he recommended some of them to me. And that, well, one of the things you might want to do is uh, buy somebody a present, and you now have, you might say, well, that'd be a great book for Joe and uh, or Sam yeah. Mary Ann and so on. So that's what, what we're going to have tonight. And I'm going to pretty much toss the ball to him and let him run down the, the field. Well, feet. go well, ahead, well, Tom. Ed. Thank
1: you very much for having me on your radio program. Yet again, after all
0: these years, how many times have we been together? I don't know for sure. Well, I've always been glad that we <laughs> you know, we met not long after you came to Raleigh because your office was right around the corner from mine. And uh, we have yep. ended up living in the same neighborhood, as a matter of fact, and have a number of yeah. mutual friends and so on. Yeah. So, we, sure, we sure have
1: been friends for a long time. Uh, I want to um, mention that I, I think of my goal tonight, Tom, uh, as we approach Christmas, and we're talking about some books tonight that might be uh, recommended as good reads uh, and good Christmas presents. As a matter of fact, particularly uh, if the person you're buying it for is a fan of history. Um, and I want to point out some things before we start. First of all, I'm not a literary expert. I want everyone to know that you know that I'm just a reader. I do read a lot. It's uh, I think you would describe it as uh, an active hobby that I have, and I pay attention to new books and. Uh, enjoyed very much. Um, books I'm going to mention tonight, I have read entirely, uh, and uh, my comments are based on my personal subjective opinion. That's the only thing guiding what I'm saying. Um, there are books, by the way, that I have read that I will not mention tonight because I don't recommend them. <laughs> um, but I do want to point out that only nonfiction books are on this list. Uh, I think you might be having a program sometime not too distant future, Tom, where you're going to talk about works of fiction, novels,
0: etc. But tonight oh, we're, fact, talking about, we're talking about history uh, yeah. and current events, etc. I was going to say, Rand Coble, who has done this before, will be here tomorrow night, and and he will have a variety of uh, nonfiction, but also a lot of fiction books. He he, re, he likes novels and things like that. And so, But I'd, I'd like to get every one of my guests to come one night and talk about what they read, because most of them are very interesting people, and uh, they know a lot, and so on. So, uh, but uh, uh well, Let's, get, uh, let's go ahead. kind of get started, and uh, uh, the first little
1: grouping of, of books that I'm going to mention, Tom, will have to do with medicine, or medical issues, or related topics, and a book I know that you have enjoyed, as well as me, is Bill Bryson's The Body, A Guide for Occupants, which was published in 2019. This is a, uh, a guide for occupants of our bodies. It's about the body and how it works, the various organs and the various chemistry of our bodies, and how it all works together. And I know you've enjoyed this as well.
0: I have. In fact, I, I, you and I were talking about a couple of guys that we, we both could agree that any book by them was worth reading. And uh, Bill Bryson is, is, is that sort of person. If you don't mind me mentioning, he has a book called The Home, which is like that. he is a book. In fact, Mike Walden recognized it on, when he was on the program the other night. I had recommended a book called The Summer of 27, and he had, had read it, and he liked it. But uh, the first thing that ever turned me on to Bill Bryson, and then I'll get out of your way, is he wrote a book called The Walk in the Woods. Right. It's been made into a movie starring Robert Redford, and it's about walking the Appalachian Trail. And uh, uh, Bryson did it on a kind of a lark. But he's a great writer, and uh, you can't go wrong with him.
1: Very entertaining and very enjoyable. His book we're mentioning is *The Body: A Guide for Occupants*. I want to mention uh, two books uh, about two diseases. Sounds really odd, but these are wonderful books. Uh, one of them is Hedy Warwick, W-A-R-R-A-I-C-H. The book is entitled *State of the Heart: Exploring the History, Science, and Future of Cardiac Disease*. Sounds really imposing. Maybe not something that you would automatically pick up and read. It's a 2019 book. Uh, Henry Warwick is a cardiologist, and he was for a time uh, at Duke. He's now at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, and is an instructor at Harvard Medical School. But this book is about his personal anecdotes of being a cardiologist and about uh, how cardiology is carried out and some of the limitations and some of the great advances in cardiology. And if you are a person who has ever run up against cardio, uh, cardiology issues, uh, this book will be very interesting to you. Also interesting is Warwick worked in the emergency room at Duke University Hospital in Durham for quite some time, and he had a lot of anecdotes about what went on in the emergency room at Duke's Hospital in Durham. And so I really enjoyed that. The other book is a book that I know you like very much. It's from uh, Mukherjee, The Emperor of All Maladies. This is a biography of cancer, a biography of cancer, The Emperor of All Maladies. It's a 2011 book, so it's not a brand-new book, and it is available in paperback, Tom. But here again, if you ever come up against the issue of cancer in your life, uh, you probably would enjoy this. Here again, uh, this guy is a great writer. Um, all of these books I'm mentioning, my opinion is that writers can capture your interest and keep it, and make you want to return to the book. One of those, uh, these are books I think that they're hard to put down um, until you finish. And then you feel kind of bad when you're finished because the book is over.
0: You yeah. want to start over it. but well, I will say this about Merkur, J He writes well, yeah. uh, he is a Buddhist Indian, but he, he works at uh, one of the, maybe Massachusetts General or some hospital in New England, and he has, uh, uh, the, the book you're talking about was, in fact, a bestseller in America, and he right. has written another book called The Gene, which is we all know Correct. about our genes, and if you've ever wondered what that's really all about, that's a good place to go. I've also read that book, and that, that's really interesting
1: stuff. Um, I want to mention a couple of other books here. Robin Colker's Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of an American Family. This is a 2020 book. It came out in April of this year. Again, Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of an American Family. It's about the Galvin family of Colorado Springs, Colorado. They had 12 kids, 10 boys and 2 girls. 6 of the boys suffered from schizophrenia. And the whole family was used as a study group to determine the origins, the genetic origins of schizophrenia. Again, this is a terribly serious topic, but a most interesting book, uh, Hidden Valley Road. Uh, another I want to mention is John Donvan and Karen Zucker. Uh, the book is entitled, In a Different Key, The Story of Autism, 2017. It's in paperback. Uh, this book also on a very serious subject, but a wonderfully written book about a tough subject, autism, uh, about uh, its origins. Uh, how it plays out and the different controversies surrounding surrounding this, this illness. John Donvin and Karen Karen with the seek Zucker in a different key of the story of autism.
0: And let's stop right there. We have just got two more in the medical side, but they they're a pair and they go together and right. and uh... Uh, I'll let you gather your breath and your forces, and we'll take a break here. and When we come back, we'll talk about, I think it's the opioid crisis, if nothing else. And so right. that's uh, what we'll call a radio tease, and both of these books are good, and I can remember you raving about them when you were reading them, and so it'll be a good place to start on the next portion of our program. Ed Funkhouser is our guest tonight. He's talking about some of the books that he's read this past year in the hope of uh, well, introducing them to you and maybe... Uh, you'll want to read them to yourself, or maybe you'll want to buy one and give one to somebody as a present. We'll be back with Ed in just a couple of minutes. We're approaching Christmas, which is going to come up in 10 days. We're asking some of our outstanding guests that we've had during the year to reprise uh, some of the books that they've read during the year and think that they would recommend to other people to read or perhaps to give to people as guests. And I always pick up some some good hints along the way, too. Word of mouth advertising is pretty good, just like radio advertising is pretty good. Dr. Edward Funkhauser is a professor of communications, I believe emeritus at NC State. He certainly did it for a long time, and has been a frequent guest on our program for a number of reasons. He's an old radio announcer, to tell you the truth, but he's talking to us tonight about some books he's read during the past year, and Ed, we're up to to the point of talking about the opioid crisis. Thank you very
1: much, Tom. I prefer to be called a former radio announcer rather than an old radio announcer.
0: Okay, the right. Poor choice of words, I understand. <laughs> uh, I'll get it right next time. <laughs> uh,
1: well, at any rate, some more books we're uh, talking about tonight, Tom. Books that uh, I think are excellent, um, in my opinion, um, having uh, to do with uh, nonfiction, nonfiction books, books about history, books about current events. Uh, and I want to mention two that have to do with the opioid crisis in America. Sam Keanings wrote a book called Dreamland: The True Tale of America's Opiate Epidemic. And, uh, this was published in 2016, and it's really good. Um, it really gets to the nature of the problem and how so many people have been, uh, well, have died from this horrible situation with opi- opiates. But, of course, the book that has uh, received much acclaim is Beth Macy's Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America, which was published in 2018. Both of these books, by the way, are available in paperback, and Beth Macy's book is just a powerhouse of a book explaining the horrible situation, um, and uh, including in her book, uh, she is, by the way, a native of Roanoke, Virginia, well, I'm not, but I shouldn't say she's a native of Roanoke. I believe she is originally from Ohio, but she, her career has been in Roanoke, Virginia, at the Roanoke Times, where she was a writer. Um, but she wrote about these uh, the problems with opiates in, in Roanoke and in North up through the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, including uh, in my home county up there, Shenandoah County of uh, Virginia. So Beth Macy's dubsick and Sam King Dreamland, really good work. I want to change gears a minute, Tom, and talk about some World War II books. Perfect. Uh, another author that you can't go wrong reading anything by him is Eric Larson. You know that, Tom. Oh, yeah. Um, um, he, wrote a, he recently published a book called The Splendid and the Vile A Saga of Churchill, Family, and Defiance During the Blitz, uh, published in 2020. Uh, like every Eric Larson book that I've read, uh, it's marvelous, really uh, compelling, really interesting, um, kind of um, hard to put down. The first one I read was, of his was The Devil in the White City, uh, and that was just a tremendous read, and so was The Splendid and the Vile* about Churchill during the blitz, basically the year of 1940 in London and what it was like through the cast of characters, how families lived during that time, uh, quite an interesting story. Um, uh, A.J. Bain is an excellent uh, author. I've got two books on my list by him. A.J. Bain, let me spell his last name, Tom. It's B-A-I-M-E. The first I want to mention is The Accidental President, Harry S. Truman and the Four Months that Changed the World. It was published in 2018. It is available in paperback. And The Accidental President is about the first four months, obviously, that Harry Truman was president. He after April the 12th, 1945, when FDR died, uh, Harry Truman uh, became, he was the vice president. He was there sort of by accident, and he became the president, sure enough. And what all happened in the next four months uh, really did change the world, and this book uh, documents all of that. Uh, I at really the end
0: Yeah, don't tease everybody too much. One of the things Harry Truman had to decide was whether to drop the atomic bomb or not. That's right, and he did decide. We're going to have something else to say about
1: the atomic bomb here in just a minute. Yeah, the book stopped there, so to speak. Uh, Yeah, it sure did. And uh, uh, that wasn't the only issue, but it's quite interesting. Another A.J. Bain book was Arsenal of Democracy, SBR Detroit, and an epic quest to aim rather to arm an America at war. An epic quest to arm an America at war. This was published in 2015. It's in paperback, and it's about how the United States, especially Detroit, all the automakers uh, and the government, got together to simply make all the armament and all the weapons necessary to win the war. Uh, Marvelous book.
0: Yeah, Uh, and he's... Go ahead. I was going to say they ended up arming not only America, but the, the U.K. and the Russians, too, uh, they sure to, did. to deal with Hitler. It was, it was a uh, one, It's uh, an amazing story.
1: Yes, it is an amazing story. And, of course, uh, for a time in my life I lived in Detroit, so I'm always interested in reading things about Detroit. And very much of what happened uh, at that time, in terms of manufacturing, happened in Detroit, as a matter of fact. Well, Denise Kiernan, K-I-E-R-N-A-N, has written The Girls of Atomic City, the untold story of the women who helped to win World War II. And um, this is about what happened in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and during World War II, and I think we know the story um, that um, they were working on um, enhancing and purifying uranium uh, at Oak Ridge, for a number of years there to get enough of the um, purified uranium to make an atomic bomb. And what they did there went into the first bomb that exploded uh, at Hiroshima. The second bomb in Japan at Nagasaki was a a plutonium bomb, and the plutonium came from Hanford, Washington. But the first bomb, the, the nuclear material came from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and it was basically made by girls, by women. Um, uh, the Girls of Atomic City is the name of the book by Denise Kin. and it's a great story.
0: If I remember um, right, Ed, the women uh, employees were, knew what was happening in their area and nowhere else. They weren't supposed to talk to each other about what was going
1: on. Yeah, and in the fact, they what they were doing, uh, as a matter of fact, they didn't know what, they they were know what was going on. They, they, right. they were doing something, and they were told how to do it, but they didn't quite understand. Some people who had like advanced degrees in chemistry might have had some inkling, but on the day that the bomb went off from Hiroshima, all of a sudden everybody understood what they had been doing. Fascinating story. Well, Tom, a couple of books about the press and the government. Um, Eric Burns' classic book. This is not a new book, but I've got to put it on here. Eric Burns' infamous scribblers, the founding fathers, and the rowdy beginnings of journalism. Uh, 2006. Uh, it's available in paperback, and it's a wonderful read about journalism and rowdy rowdiness and the strange cast of characters who were in government and who were in journalism in the early days of our country. Uh, we think that today's things are pretty rough sometimes. Uh, the relationship between the government and the press. Well, it was probably
0: worse then, <laughs> and uh, well, uh, it is, uh, this, it's a really more a story. Well, this was a uh, book, and, and and we will stop with this book, and because we need to take a break for the news. But it was of great interest to you because, as a professor of communication, I know you've been interested not only in electronic communication but the press and freedom of the press and the. the the nature of the present America, which has always been controversial, and so uh, right. I I think it, it's a good recommendation. We're going to pause now and check and find out uh, on this medium what the news is. Uh, at WPTF, it's 9.30. It's 9.33 at WPTF, AM 680 and FM 98.5. On a Tuesday night, Tom Kearney here with Dr. Ed Funkhauser, and we're talking about some of Dr. Funkhauser's reading and this past year, and books that he's enjoyed and recommended to me among many people. In fact, I've read of several of his recommendations already, and he's allowing me to kibitz tonight. Uh, before we go back to Dr. Funkhauser, we're going to do a program tomorrow night about some other books. Uh, Rand Coble, who for many years was a regular guest on our program between, say, 1998 and uh, about 2014, he will be here to talk about some of the outstanding reading that he's done this past year. That's tomorrow night. Pam Beck, who is our gardening writer, is going to be here on Thursday night to talk about uh, uh, the plants uh, uh, and the symbols of plants in this particular holiday season. And Friday night, Stephen, my brother is going to be our guest. And we're going to do our annual Just Before Christmas program on what we call Saturday morning programming. And if you tune in, you'll probably run into uh, Granny and... uh, Sylvester and the the Putty Tat, of course, and uh, Waddy Coyote and other characters like that that uh, me and my little brother used to watch in the days of yore when uh, we were both a lot younger. But that's going to come on Friday night. But Ed Funkhauser is here tonight, and Ed is in the midst of telling us about the books that he has read. And then I finally found where we were. I think Harold
1: Holzer is the next person you want to talk right. about. Right. We left off talking about the press and the government, and we certainly want to mention Harold Holzer's new book. I know how you feel about Harold Holzer about the same way I do. Uh, if he wrote it, I'll read it. Um, uh, he's an excellent writer. Uh, indeed, he has written the book, The President versus the Press, The Endless Battle Between the White House and the Media, From the Founding Fathers to Fake News, a 2020 book. Um, Quite a tome and very good, very well-written book uh, by Harold Holzer. It covers how the presidents have dealt with the issues related to the press, the media, uh, and how they've done so in different ways over the years right up to the present time, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, Harold Holzer also wrote a book uh, some years ago, called Lincoln and Cooper Union, which is a wonderful book of history uh, as well.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a that's a very important book that somebody had, they had overlooked doing that topic. But let me say that Olser, uh, who is, did not start out life as an academic, no, regarded he, he wrote a book about Lincoln and the press, and this book you're talking about now is just uh, that expanded and so on, but he's regarded as a Lincoln expert now, and is on uh, a lot of committees that helped choose prizes, and I think uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Bill Harris on the state faculty got one of the Lincoln Prizes several years ago. I think that's true. Uh,
1: Holzer is a publicist. He works in public relations uh, for one of the art museums in New York City uh, for a number of years.
0: Really an interesting man, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, uh i want to go back to a book about World War II that I uh, overlooked. Actually, Tom, I didn't overlook it. I just want to call special attention to it because um, it might be, of all the books I'm mentioning, it might be um, uh, my current favorite book, um, you know, this week and last week. Um, you know, sort of my best friend forever. Well, this is my favorite book forever, I guess, until I find another one. But it's by Janet Cunner, C-L-N-A-N-T. It's the woman, her first name is spelled J-E-N-N-E-T. Janet, like Janet, Cunet. The Great Secret, The Classified World War II Disaster That Launched the War on Cancer. Hmm. Uh, I thought when I saw this on the bookshelf, a 2020 book, uh, it's a heck of a story, unputdownable, about this uh, disaster that occurred in Italy um, in... Uh, In uh, 1943, December of 1943, um, having to do with chemical weapons, as a matter of fact, and how through this disaster, I was learned that, uh, hey, maybe this stuff can do something to fight cancer. Later in my life, I found out in a very personal way about this particular substance. Uh, So I found this book terrifically interesting.
0: This may sound silly to you, but I really enjoyed this, this book, too. Uh, I, I read parts of what she had written, and I told you I watched a lecture by her. And I learned something that I, I, as a historian, I should have known years ago, is that the mustard gas, which was on British ships and maybe American ships and not supposed to be, uh, had no connection to mustard at all. There was no mustard in there. It smelled like mustard. That's why they called it mustard. That's gas. right. Well, yeah,
1: it's a, it's a heck of a story, and I can understand why it was classified. Uh, it's really interesting um, uh, to uh, read about uh, Churchill's comments. He wouldn't say anything about this. He, you know, the, the doctors who were trying to treat people didn't understand that they had the people who were injured by this bombing uh, had were suffering from chemical weapons issues. They didn't understand that because the, the very existence of them were of uh, the chemical was secret. That's the story.
0: It, it's worthy to note too that well. Churchill was out to get Miss uh, Conant uh, Ike, uh, who was on, on, our, on the other you know competitor right. to, to Churchill for who was going to be in charge, uh, wouldn't let him publish this thing, but he wouldn't let him destroy it either. It was there in the files to be discovered. That's correct. Yep. Could have
1: been destroyed, and we would have never really had any documentary evidence of what happened. It's a wonderful World War II study. I and mean, one of the things about this book, that I found most interesting to me is that, I'm not, I, I think you know me, Tom, I'm not really a know-it-all, et cetera, et cetera. I don't claim to know be a World War II expert. But this was about an incident that occurred uh, that I didn't know a thing about. <laughs> I've never heard about this before. And having had this uh, myself, uh, some relationship to cancer in my life, and benefited from what happened here, actually.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I i have been been uh, uh, historic, history history uh, person all my life, educated, you know, graduate school and everything. And I had not heard of it either. And I've read, you know, Rick Atkinson, since the, the the historian of World War II. I think it's his second volume that deals with this particular thing. And I don't remember—I didn't go and look it up—but I don't remember it uh, saying very much about this. It was pretty on, pretty much on the low. And yeah. anyway, well, we have a lot
1: of books to go. Uh, um, Hampton Sides, you know that book, Hell Hound I on the Trail.
0: Part.
1: Yeah, The Electrifying Account of the Largest Manhunt in American History. Not a new book, uh, published in 2011. It's available in paperback, but one of my favorite books, uh, Hampton Sides. It's about the uh, search um, for James Earl Ray, who uh, uh, shot and killed uh, Martin Luther King Jr. on April the 4th, 1968. Uh, I thought I knew all about this when I picked this book up, and so well I might read it anyway. And it turns out I learned a heck of a lot reading this book, and it was—it's a very entertaining read, as a matter of fact.
0: It is. Uh, I told you it was a hard starter for me. I finally put it down because I couldn't get going, and I picked it up sometime later and couldn't put it down because I was reading it. And so, uh, it's yeah, just, once you it's, get it's, involved it's, it's, in it, you can't let it go
1: it's gotten a lot of acclaim over the years. As a matter of fact, it's being a great read. And Isabel Wilkerson's cast is like the number one bestseller right now. It's one of them anyway, very at the top of the list currently. I mean, right now in December 2020, C-A-S-T-E cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. It's about race relations in the United States and looking at it from a new perspective uh, with new insights. And I think this book... uh, is going to have a lot of impact on how we think about um, these kinds of issues in our country uh, down the road. Um, a totally different kind of a book that I just want to mention is uh, Monica Hesse's American Fire, Love, Arson, and Life in a Vanishing Land, 2018. It's uh, That was the year it was published. It's a paperback book. Um, H-E-S-S-E is her last name, Hesse. Uh, American Fire, it's about something that happened in Accomack County, Virginia, which is one of those counties out there on the eastern shore of Virginia. Uh, and uh, in 2012 and 2013, over the winter of 2012 the 2013, 86 homes caught on fire, all abandoned homes in a very rural community. And nobody can understand why. And she wrote a book about who is doing this and why. And it's a terrifically interesting story. American Fire. Great read. Uh, another great read, Tom, is Adam Hagenbotham's Midnight at Chernobyl, The Untold Story of the World's Greatest Nuclear Disaster, the 2019 book. It is available in paperback. Uh, this truly a book that, I mean, when I pick this book up, I blitz through reading about what happened? Actually, what happened at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the former Soviet Union in 1986? What really happened that night? Hour by hour and so forth. And uh, all the people involved in their personal lives and what happened to them. And uh, it's a terrifically good story. Midnight at Chernobyl.
0: You get one more. I see wins, book, and then we're going to take a break.
1: Essay: "Grand uh, Hymns of the Republic, the Story of the Final Year of the Civil War. Great read. Uh, 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 published this year, 2020. It is already available in paperback. Hymns of the Republic. It's about the last year of the Civil War. And I have to tell you, I've, I've read a number of books about the Civil War, and I, I, I'll tell you, this is one of the best. One of the most readable books about the Civil War.
0: I interviewed. I interviewed him, Ed. In, uh, his one of his books. Prior to this, is a biography of Stonewall Jackson, and uh, we had him on the radio two or three years ago. And he he's uh, a journalist originally, and he writes like a journalist. And that is, you just pick it up, and you just love to 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 read it and to keep going. It's what you call a good read. Uh, if yeah. you'll let me. Let me pause now. We need to do a few messages here. Ed Funkhouser is talking about some of the good reading that he's done in the past year. And when we come back, let's see what he it says here. Beth Macy, factory man, how one furniture store is this about uh, Western North Carolina? Ed? No, that's about it's about Bassett, Virginia. Bassett. Okay. Well, almost the same thing. Just across, just across the line. Okay. Uh, that's going to be interesting. And you'll hear about it from Ed Funkhauser right after this. WPTF, the Tom Kearney Show, 949. Dr. Funkhauser of the speech department. Uh, No, the communication was probably called that at one time. Let's say the communications department at NC State University. Dr. Edward Funkhauser is our guest tonight. He's been a frequent guest, and he's talking about books he has read tonight. And we have about eight books in about eight minutes. So let's see what you can do.
1: Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, Factory Man uh, by Beth Macy um, uh, of Roanoke. We had already mentioned uh, Beth Macy, Beth Macy, as the author of Sick. Well, she wrote a book uh, prior to that called Factory Man: How One Furniture Maker Battled Offshoring, Stayed Local, and Helped Save an American Town. Uh, this was from 2015. It is available in paperback, and um, this is about um, John Bassett and his Bassett furniture in Bassett, Virginia, up that not far out of uh, Martinsville, Virginia, um, who uh, battled against, uh, frankly, the Chinese who were uh, much of the furniture manufacturing in the country was moving to China and he battled it. He found uh, that they were doing things that were dumping furniture, something that was illegal and uh Uh, He helped fight to keep his uh, furniture industry alive in that town, and Beth Macy told the story. It's quite good. Highly acclaimed book, as a matter of fact, Factory Man. Um, We also uh, had discussed Denise Kernan a few moments ago about her book on um, uh, the girls of Atomic City, uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Oh, Denise Kernan has also written a wonderful book called The Last Castle, The Epic Story of Love, Loss, and American Royalty in the Nation's Largest Home. This was published in 2018, and it is available now in paperback. Tom, where is the nation's largest home? Just outside
0: of Asheville, North
1: Carolina. That's right. It's the Biltmore House. This is the history of the Biltmore House, which was uh, constructed... Uh, right around the turn of the century, I think it was begun about 1890 or something like that. Um, had, uh, Billmore Estate has 250 rooms, Tom, and 43 bathrooms, 65 fireplaces. And it was the home of George Washington Vanderbilt II and his wife, Edith Dresser of Vanderbilt. Edith Vanderbilt, of course, uh, ran the State Fair here in Raleigh and she is the person for whom Vanderbilt Avenue is named here in the NC State area off Hillsborough
0: Street. And you're just saying that because you live on Vanderbilt Avenue. Now. Well, I live near it. Sorry. But I do want to say that both George and his wife, were they, they had a lot of cash, and they probably were uh, uh, conspicuous consumers, but at the same time, they were both interested in agricultural experimentation and history and things. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, first forester in America who ended up at NC State after he left uh, Biltmore was, was brought over here by George Vanderbilt.
1: Yep, and Edith Vanderbilt was the first woman ever to formally address the state legislature. I thought it was an interesting note. Yeah. Well, anyway, Denise Coen has written a book about the Biltmore House called The Last Castle, and it's really good. It's very good. Um, I really like Thomas Hager's The Alchemy of Air, a Jewish genius, a doomed tycoon, and the scientific discovery that fed the world but fueled the rise of Hitler. Uh, This is a book about Fritz Haber, uh, and um, it was apparent in the world after the turn of the century that the uh, supply of natural ammonia in the earth was dwindling. The big piles of fat guano, et cetera, and things like that, off the coast of Peru, et cetera, they were dwindling, and he found a way to synthesize ammonia. In other words, uh, how to make a how to make a nitrogen-based fertilizer from gas, and it revolutionized uh, fertilizer. Um, it fed the world. Uh, if the, he had not done this. Uh, there would be food shortages, is my understanding. But unfortunately, Fritz Haber also did some other things, and that was he um, was uh, the person personally in charge of developing gases and the Germans used in World War One, et cetera. Uh, so it's controversial, uh, and the book is controversial, but it's a wonderful read. Thomas Hager, The Alchemy of Air, um, was at uh, the NC State, Freshman reading book a few years ago, uh, and a really good selection. As a matter of fact, um, I really enjoyed Sam Keen, K-E-A-N, *The Disappearing Spoon* and other true tales of madness, love, and the history of the world from the periodic table of the elements. Uh, not a new book from 2011, uh, in paperback now. But uh, this is about this is about chemistry for non chemists, if you will. Um, Chemistry for poets, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, this is um, uh, a terrifically fascinating book, and it's it, many people are familiar with this. It has uh, received a lot of acclaim. The title comes from a um, spoon made out of a metal that uh, disappeared, kind of melted away at uh, temperatures like uh, that of. A, a, cup of tea might be, and so if you put your spoon in the tea, the spoon would
0: (laughs) dissipate, would go away. You've got got one more, and I want you to give a full minute to this one, okay? Okay, I'm going to do John Meacham and uh, Tim McGraw. McGraw, Yeah, Yeah, Songs of America. Tim
1: McGraw. uh, Songs of America, uh, uh, Patriotism, Protest, and the Music that Made a Nation, a 2019 book. This is the only book that I've mentioned tonight. That is more or less a coffee table kind of book. It's a larger format, fancier
0: book. You have this, right, don't you, Tom? Yes, I do. And and, uh, It's just a wonderful book because uh, apparently John Meacham, who's become very popular as a writer, and uh, Tim McGraw lived in sort of the same neighborhood in Nashville or did it one time, and they were having cocktails one night with a bunch of people standing around in the yard, and they got to talking about doing this book, and they did it.
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting book about famous songs, uh, patriotism, um, patriotic songs, also uh, protest songs, and other songs uh, that really made our country, that uh, we associate so much with the feelings that we have for our nation.
0: Okay, and we've we got to get out of here now. Because okay, can... well, I enjoyed doing this, Tom. Well, I've enjoyed your doing it, and I'm going to call you and talk to you for a couple of minutes later, but thanks for being with us tonight, and I would have loved to listen to this program. In fact, I may go back and listen to the, the, uh, the repeat of it uh, off the bird uh, later tonight. Dr. Edward Funkhauser, our guest, talking about some good reads that he had this year. We're going to get some more along this line, a different set of books, because we've got a different person. Rand Coble will be with us tomorrow night following the news here on WPTF.